It's Joe Benito and Evan Roberts on the fan. Joe and Evan, Evan and Joe, on WFAN Sports Radio. If you want to be in the New York, no, gotta go with Joe and Evan, Evan and Joe. 66 on your AM dial, 101.9 FM, Joe and morning and is it ever but in going roberts here on the fan you're happy if you're a giant fan you're happy if you're a jet fan and we are one step closer to something that has only happened one time in the history of new york mets and yankee baseball both teams winning a division one freaking time in the history of the mets and the yankees if they won a division in the same year and we're one step closer. Joe, how are you, pal? Unbelievable. I, you know, right now, if you're a fan of the teams that we root for, I mean, uh, it, it pretty much doesn't get any better than this. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, we want to start with the Jets. The, I mean, last night, terrific win. Let's go to the Mets because it last night. Terrific win by the Mets last night. I stayed up until it was 8 nothing. I was <laughs> confident when Escobar hit the grand slam. I was confident the game was over. Uh, solid win. Chris Bassett, who was, you know, they got to they got to keep this guy. This guy is an underrated pitcher. This guy, I've said it to you before. He may not be the best pitcher on this team, but he's been their most reliable pitcher all year long. You know, he gives you, he takes the ball every fifth day. Uh, he basically, I don't think he threw a hundred last night. He had a real low pitch count through eight innings, yep. but he basically gives you a hundred pitches every time out. Uh, he he's been phenomenal. Uh, hey, I'm giddy. And the Braves, how about that? The you know. Rarely, and you and I talk about this all the time, rarely does the teams that we hate when you have to root for them ever help you out. Never. Well, the Phillies <laughs> have helped us out here. Two big wins over the Braves. The Mets now get a little more of a cushion, two in the loss column, two and a half overall. Uh, you got to be pumped up. Oh, I, I've You got to already... be pumped up. I already say this to Philadelphia. You've done your work. If you can right. win any more games right. against right. the Braves, great. They get another one. Tremendous. That's right. tremendous, but you have done your job because I always looked at this Braves series, which we are a week away from witnessing, Mets-Braves, as get there with a one-game lead at minimum. Get there with a little right. bit of a cushion right. where all you got to do is win a game in that series and you're in the driver's seat. Now, obviously, you have a two-game lead. You have a three-game lead. God forbid you have a four-game lead. It's a completely different story. But now the Mets, for the first time, Mm -hmm. we are witnessing the Atlanta Braves struggling because that hasn't happened since June 1st. And the Mets are taking advantage of it. So it is set up now where the Mets have 10 games left in the season. They've got DeGrom and Scherzer starting four of the 10 games. And if they take care of business against the dreadful Oakland A's, which they did last night brilliantly, and the Miami Marlins, they at least go into that Atlanta series where all you really have to do is win a game. And that's a good spot to go in that series with. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, look, after that hideous sweep at the hands of the Cubs, how bad was that? I mean, they, they just turned it around. You know, they go out there, they sweep Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, they take two out of three from Milwaukee. You know, you're more than happy with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Braves lose. I mean, they, you know, they lose that game to Milwaukee, but the Braves lose that day uh, that day as well to Washington. Yep. Now they lose these two straight to Philly. Mets bounce back with that win last night. Uh, boy, you got to feel pretty good the, right now. The, the Mets' response by taking care of Pittsburgh, by taking care of Milwaukee, right, which right. is a team in a playoff race, 
is just a reminder that what happened against the Cubs and even what happened against the Nationals a few weeks earlier was just a blip on the radar. That's and I it. think that when an aberration. You're in, absolutely. When you're in a tight pennant race and there's no margin for error, we blow it up and make a bigger deal out of it, thinking, uh-oh, here we go. They're choking. They're collapsing. When the truth is, every team, it's happening to the Braves now, and it happened to the Mets last week, they're going to get tripped up. It's just that we have been witnessing a season in which there's mm-hmm. no margin for error where 100 wins wasn't guaranteeing you a division. So it's nice to see the Atlanta Braves look human. You know what gave me confidence last night? I, I got in confidence when I saw the lineup, when I saw that Brandon Nimmo was playing. Yeah. Because I was very concerned off of Wednesday afternoon that Nimmo was going to have a quad issue. He's going to miss a couple of days. He may not go on the IL. And the Met lineup looks completely different without Brandon Nimmo. So to have Brandon Nimmo in the lineup, and oh, by the way, he looked okay. A clutch yep. two-run single in the second yep. inning. That's yep. That made it a 3 nothing game. He had a single in the fifth inning right before the Escobar Grand Slam. Nimmo being able to play and not even missing a game after having that quad issue on Wednesday is huge because they need him in the lineup. Look, they got a lot of guys that are free agents, and we've been through this. So many key guys that are free agents, whether it's DeGrom, whether it's Nimmo, whether it's Diaz, whether it's Bassett, uh, Walker, Carrasco. I mean, we can, that's a lot of big guys on his team. But they have got to keep Brandon Nimmo. I mean, he is a key guy. He's a homegrown Met. We talk about that, too, that we love. Um, he wants to be here. I mean, you get, I mean, I could still see him. Was it the game? I guess it was the game where uh, he took the home run away from Turner in center Dodgers. field. Dodgers. Oh, right. yes. Great with, with saving DeGrom. Yep. And after the game, Gelb had him on on SNY, and he was pumped up, man. He's, he's pumped up. He's talking to the crowd. How great is this? You know, I've been in this organization my whole life. Yeah, you got to keep this guy. I mean, he, well, he's a critical guy. To there's, a, there's a way they may not keep him, and you know that way, by the way. There's well, one well, way where you would gladly say, all right, Brandon. Oh, if they got judged. Oh, if they got judged. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say, and look, believe me, I'm, bring him in. But I'll say this. Uh, the Yankees have got to sign Judge. Oh, I no mean, doubt. No they doubt. Have got, if the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, man, I mean, you can't let that happen so, if you're the Yankees. So I, we used this hypothetical on Friday, and right. that was, let's right. say the San Francisco Giants, and now they're going to have Barry Bonds recruiting. because Barry I saw Bonds, that. Barry wants him. Uh, in, and look, I mean, that's the team you hear. I mean, that's the team you yeah. hear that's – that's really a factor. I guess he's from the area out there, right? Yeah, and he grew up as a Giant fan, and his right. favorite player was right. Barry Bonds. Right. So, by the way, right. if you ask Aaron Judge, he's not close to the MLB home run record in a single season. Well, he, he said that. the record as Barry Bonds. Which... He, he, he said that, and, I, and look, yeah. obviously, I agree with that. You know how I feel about that. So You, you know what, though? Let me ask you this before we get back to Judge, because I'm yeah. curious. Obviously, there's been a major hoopla over Aaron Judge chasing 61. You can see it in the stadium, to the point where the crowd groans at base hits which I find incredible considering he's also chasing a triple right, crown. Right, A base hit right, is a good thing, right. and yet the, the crowd's upset. Right. I hope he wins the triple crown. I really do. I, yeah, I, and, I don't. Is, and isn't that a bigger deal than 61-62? Uh, well, look, I'll say this. It is, the, it is the American League record. I mean, you know, one thing about it, I mean, it, you know, if he hits 62 home runs, that's the American League okay. record. Okay. Do you think Yankee Stadium is packed for an American League record? I think they're packed for the home runs. I do. I okay. think that's what they're so, packed for. So here's my follow-up. Oh, or or I think, let me just say this too, or there's a yeah. lot of people as well that don't buy the fact that Bonds has the record and well, still look at the record as being 61. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it because sure. if Pete Alonso was chasing 61, now that's not a National League record. No. 
the Met record, who cares about, all right? So it's not about, who I'm catching a Yankee record. But if Pete Alonso was chasing 61-62 home runs, would the exact same atmosphere occur at City Field? No, I don't think so. Really? No. No, you do? You think that? Yeah, I do, because I think that, look, this whole home run chase is complicated. Yeah. There are going to yeah. be those, I respect where you come from, which is, dude, 73, period, right, right. stop. That's it. You know how I'm I mi- feel about the steroid stuff. So. And look, I'm more in the middle on it. Obviously, Barry Bonds is the greatest player I've ever seen. He hit more right. home runs than right. anyone has in a single season. But I understand that there's a taintedness to that record. I get sure. that. Sure, If Pete Alonso is chasing 61, even though it's not a National League record, I firmly believe the atmosphere would be exactly yeah. the same, which shows you a lot of people are viewing this as the quote-unquote real home run record. Yeah. Well, I, you know what What I like about what's happening, too, with Judge? You know, I'm, uh, you know I grew up in, in my first real year that I watched baseball was 1961, and there was right. no Mets yet. And I, you know, even though I was eight years old, you know, I, I got into the whole Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle thing. And, and you know, I always had a liking for Maris. You know, everybody loved Mantle, and I like Mantle, too. I mean, uh, you know, even though I'm a Met fan, I mean, you, 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 it was hard if you grew up in New York at that time not to like Mickey Mantle. Right. But I, I, I liked Roger Maris. It was something about Maris, and I like the fact that he's in the forefront. And I'm going to say this again. And I understand, you know, all this stuff about, you know, his, uh, he, the numbers of this and the numbers of that, and he didn't hit 300 home runs, and he, you know, he's only got a lifetime batting average of 260 or whatever, whatever it is. Roger Maris should be in the freaking Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. And, and I've said that for a long time. You can say whatever you want about this guy. I know most of the people that are voting now didn't even see him play, okay? Probably a lot of people didn't. You know, this guy – he went back-to-back MVPs, 60 and 61 with the Yankees. He was a obviously the 61 home run year, unbelievable. The pressure that was on this guy, everybody was against him. Everybody wanted to see Mickey break the record, not Maris. And then when he does break the record, you know, uh, the commissioner puts an asterisk next to it because he didn't do it in 154 games and all that garbage. You know, this guy played on seven pennant-winning teams, three world championship teams. He was one of the best defensive right fielders that I've ever seen. He wasn't quite Clemente, but he was pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, what can I tell you? I mean, five straight championships with the Yankees. He was he was every bit and, uh, a critical guy on those teams as Mickey was. And, and if I'm not right mistaken, there with them. And if I'm not mistaken, Mickey ba- barely played in that '61 World Series. Didn't he yeah, barely well, Mickey, play because he was hurt? What happened to Mickey, he got some kind of an abscess, I think it was, in his leg. And he missed like the – you know, he was he hit 50, he had 54 home runs when right. he went down. Right. And and he missed like the last couple of weeks of the season. He was in the hospital. In fact, after – when Roger hit home run number 61, October 2nd, 1961, when he hit that home run – by the way, against the Red Sox as well, Tracy Stallard, who then went to the Mets later on. When he hit that home run, after the game – he went to the hospital to see Mickey. Mickey and Bob Serve, who also right. played for the Yankees, was in the hospital as well. And I guess Roger actually roomed with those two guys during that season, Mickey and Serve. He went right to the hospital to see Mantle after that game. Right. So I think that's interesting. Roger Maris should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. If you've got guys like Bill Mazeroski in the Hall of Fame, Roger well, Maris should be pip, in the Hall of Fame. Once you put Bill Mazeroski right. in the Hall of Fame, exactly. there's 150 guys you can Please. also put in the well, Hall but of that, Fame. But Maris is too big a name in this game. That he should well, not be he, in. He's one of those names where obviously he was long before I was born, but right, he's one right. of those early names you learn about because he had a hollowed record. Because of he course. had a record that growing up I thought, oh my God, no one's ever going to match that. 
Right. Now, unfortunately for him, he's in the he's getting the attention today, rightfully so. He does, but once yeah. Aaron Judge passes him, he's never going to get that attention again. Unfortunately, he's going to be one of those names in history that right. starts to wilt away with time. And I'm not saying that's right or that's fair, but that's what's going to happen because kids aren't going to learn Roger mm-hmm. Maris's name, right. especially right. because even if you wanted to use steroids as, well, he's the real record holder, I think we all believe Aaron Judge is clean. So Aaron Judge passes yeah. Roger Maris. Yeah. So. I think in the long term, it's actually bad for his legacy because I don't think kids are ever going to learn about Roger Maris. Well, I mean, the one thing I will say is that I I think it does help Maris that it's going to be another Yankee that's going to break the record. You know what I mean? I think that helps him. And and you look at the fact that, look, I mean, the only (laughs) – the three American leaguers to hit 60 home runs are all Yankees. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, so here's the thing about Judge. I completely agree with you. And I think that sometimes it's okay to give out a stupid contract. Sometimes right. it's okay well, knowing going in, hey, this isn't a smart one. If the San Francisco Giants were desperate, make Aaron Judge a ridiculous offer, 10 years, $500 million, I've got to match it. And I, and I know we could take calls all day saying it's stupid, that's too much money, no, that's too no. many years. If I'm a Yankee fan, I, I don't care. I'll live with the fact that the last three or four years are bad because I think losing this guy, the soul of your team, the far and away best player on your team, the guy who's going to hit 61-plus home runs this season would be so damaging. And I'm sorry, signing Trey Turner as a replacement oh, God. is not going to – and that's not a knock on Trey Turner. No, he's no. a hell of a player. No, but he's not Aaron Judge. It's he's not, not even Aaron close. Judge. Aaron Judge is – look, he is the – you know, he's the modern-day Mickey Mantle. I mean, yes. I, I'm sorry. That's exactly what he is. If you're the Yankees, you cannot let this guy go. And let's be honest with this too, bro. If he wasn't – if Judge wasn't doing what he was doing this year, where would the Yankees be? Out of the playoffs. I mean, I think got a big – right. I agree with you. They'd be out of he, the playoffs. Joe, you you backed me up on this. You've seen more baseball than I have. I've been around a little bit shorter. And by the way, you have a birthday coming up. Happy birthday. Is it oh, Monday? Thank you, bro. Uh, Monday is my birthday. I'll be a uh, rip-roaring 6'9". 6'9". So I'm one year away from that. Big number. Like, you know, when you hit that number that I'm going to hit next year if I'm still alive, okay, right. you know you're old. I mean, there is no <laughs> – you know, you could you could kind of when you're 60, you know, you could kind of, eh, you know, that's not – all right. But when you hit – when that seven is like the first number, and I don't mean seven years old and you got a zero behind it, there's no escaping that you are now old. You that's a I mean? big one. No, no, I get and it. That's a tough one I, to, to, you know, just uh, shun away, you know? So I would make But the 69 argument, Monday, I'm not there yet. So All right. Well, preemptive happy birthday. Thank you, bro. I would argue this is the most valuable of MVPs I've ever seen. That it is so far Boy. and away how valuable he is to this team. I don't know if in my lifetime I've seen a guy who's been as valuable to their team in baseball as Aaron Judge has been to this Yankee team. Because you're right. If you take him away, forget the division – I don't know if they make the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's funny. I think the only guy that comes to my mind that would be you know, I could put in that conversation is Ooh. probably Koufax back in the okay. '60s because I don't. Uh, the Dodgers, to me, you know, they won those two championships in '63 and '65. He was on the '59 team too, but he wasn't the same. He wasn't that guy yet. Uh, I don't know. Th- those teams, they couldn't hit at all. I mean, they were, they were terrible, especially the team in 65. I mean, they, they were one of the uh, lightest hitting teams you could ever imagine. But you know what? The only thing I'd question, and even though it's and that's, a different that's, world. That's the only guy I would throw, I could even think about. 
and, and look, he's not making 30 starts. He's making 40 starts. He's right. not throwing 180 innings. He's throwing 300 innings. Right. I get That's that. 100%. But even in that era, it's still only a quarter of the games. Yeah. I mean, think no, about that. True. So you're it's still true. playing 75% of your other right. games right. without him pitching. But look, obviously what Colfax did for a five-year period, oh, the greatest thing we've ever seen. But I think I think Judge is that valuable to yeah. what he's done for this team. That yeah. He's not only the MVP. That's not a discussion anymore. I think we all no. accept that. No, please. Everyone's accepted that. I think, or most people have accepted Somebody, that. Somebody, there'll be guys out there voting for Otani, though. You know, I saw a column, and I, you know, I, I like John Heyman. I do. You know, we, we, you know, we made him. You know, we, we actually gave him a personality over the years that we had him on. Uh, he, he wrote a column yesterday or two days ago in a post saying the highest paid player should be Otani. Can we stop with Otani already? I'm sick of hearing it. I understand he's the pitcher and he hits and all his teams only 20 games under 500, but you know who cares? Let's make him the highest paid player. I'm sorry, I got, I had to get on that with Heyman. I hate to tell you this. I think Heyman's right, though. Well, I mean, if the guy does both. Right. They, but it's not saying he's better than or more valuable than Judge right now because he's not. I'm no. with you on 100%. where the Angels are. But if a guy can make 30 starts a year and at 35 home runs a year, but at what that's point, like having two players in one. But at that's what point does, does winning something matter? Do you know what I mean? Well, I, yeah. I, I think when talking about the MVP, it does matter. I think when you're building a baseball team, if I could have one guy that does two things like that, yeah. Well, I mean, I would take it. Now, I, my I, eventually about, he's going to eventually he's going to have to give up pitching. In my well, mind. see, that's a, I was just about to say. So, Joe, if I'm building a team with free agents and I'm making right, eight right. nine year plans, my concern would be I don't think it's sustainable. All no. right, no, I. So I completely agree that I'm looking down the road. I'm trying to predict what four years looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's doing both at this level. But right now, he is doing both at this level. So I don't think saying Judge should be the MVP, which I think he should, and oh, he's the most God. valuable MVP Please. we've ever seen, Please. should turn into a knock on what that guy's doing. Because what that guy's doing is great. The problem is he's on a crappy baseball Terrible. team that's not even in a pennant race. Terrible. So we're not even going to get a chance to see him do it more in October. Yeah. Now, I look, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, they got Trout and Otani, and they stink. I mean, I, you know, it's it's crazy uh, when you look at now, the situation. Now, would, would you rather see Judge win the uh, the Triple Crown or, or hit 62 home runs? Which one? Because isn't the Triple oh, Crown a bigger deal at this point? Uh, yeah, I think the, trip, the Triple Crown is a big deal, especially, you know, look, I mean, uh, this I guess this would be the third Yankee to do it. Lou Gehrig did it in the 30s, Mickey, Mickey in 1956. Yep. Yeah, and then Judge would be it. They, I look, I mean, look, he's gonna he's gonna win the triple crown and hit over sixty one home runs. And that's what's so remarkable about this season. So you yep. laid it out. There are two Yankees to win a triple crown: Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle. Pretty good. Right. All right, not bad. Two, two not Yankees, bad. Immortals. 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 Two Yankees at sixty home runs: Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, and this guy's gonna yep. do both. Yep. <laughs> it's Unbelievable. insane. They got to keep him. If the Yankees lose him, man, that is a disaster. No, no doubt. No other way to say it. Because the Yankees have always shown a love to paying other guys. Right. They couldn't wait right. to pay Garrett Cole, right. which we'll get into because he's a major concern right now. I would Garrett agree. Cole's a problem. He did and get last, hosed on that call last night and then, you know, before the home uh, run. But st- he got hosed. It was a ball. And he's got to so? stop. Ap- First of all, yes. Though it was close. So I'll, I guess I'll give you the caveat. Well, okay, you know fine, me. I, you know me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strike guy, you know? Okay. You know Look, what I mean? I, I'm usually with you, bigger strike zone. Right. I'd rather call a strike than a ball, but it's a close enough call. And then if you're Garrett Cole, you know what, bro? Don't give up. Figure out a way to get him out. Look, I'm not not defending him, but I'm just saying that, you know, he did. I I thought it was a strike. So that's. And then when you don't get him out, let's whine like a baby. Yeah. Let's cry about it. I'd be concerned about the Yankee pitching, too. I'm now Severino's back. He pitched pretty good the other day. Cortez has been good. 
I'm, I'd be a little worried about it. And if I'd be worried about the Yankee bullpen because who's their closer, bro? That's who's the it. Yankees closer. No, that's the problem, and I agree with you. So the Yankees are A, winning games, B, judges on this great run, so I think it's ignoring the issues they have going into October. Right, right. Their offense feels great right now. Glaber Torres is red hot. Yep, Giancarlo yep. Stanton's yep. got hot. Yep. Even Oswaldo Cabrera's hitting the yeah. crap out of the ball. Big grand slam the other night. Absolutely. The negative is Garrett Cole's been bad in his last three starts, and let's just be honest, he's not the same guy since Spider Tack a year ago. The numbers are the numbers. You can't even argue it. And you're right about the bullpen, where – there isn't anybody you could trust. Their most reliable reliever all year was Wandy Peralta, and he's on the IL right now. Yep, yep. So you're looking at Clay Holmes and Jonathan Lewisiga, and you don't know what to expect from Zach Britton. So there are concerns. We'll get to that. We'll get to your Met calls. We'll get to the Jets, obviously, too, trying to win game number two. The toll-free number is 877-337-6666. But Ingo and Roberts here on The Fan. We're here till Yankee Baseball at 1225. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, my uh, Saturday show uh, with Evan, of course, is brought to you by Empire City Casino. Come play for your chance to drive off in a brand-new Dodge Challenger only at Empire City Casino. By the way, here are the numbers on Garrett Cole, because and I only bring this up because there's a clear line of demarcation with him. When he first signed with the Yankees, he pitched in that shortened 2020 season, was great, had a really good year, and pitched really well in the postseason. The wild card series against Cleveland and the two games against Tampa, including pitching on short rest in game five. If you include all the starts he made after signing with the Yankees prior to the spider tack ban, he has a 2.59 ERA and 30 starts, which is exactly what you paid for if you're the Yankees. Since that ban went into effect late June of last year, he's made 47 starts. He has a 3.73 ERA. It is what it is. And if your answer is, well, it's not related to that, well, then what the hell is it related to? All yeah. we know is he's not the same guy, whether it was the playoff game against Boston last year, whether it's the way he's pitched this season. He has not had a great season. I'll give him credit. He pitches every five days. Well, definitely that. Yeah, he uh, wants absolutely. the ball. No question about that. He wants the ball, and he's reliable in terms of he pitches every five days, which he definitely has over a lot of guys, including the two aces of our team. They have not had that reliability. Nope. nope. But the numbers are the numbers. I mean, he has a 3-7 ERA mm. over a year plus, and his last three starts, what's been concerning is the way he's given up leads as quickly as he has. Last night, 4-1 to one lead, boom, it's gone. Miss call or not, doesn't matter. He gave it up. Two starts before that against the Red Sox. Gave up a homer and a Bogarts mm. in the sixth right after they gave him a lead. So he is... He's not pitching his best baseball. So just based on that, it's tough to have that much confidence in him moving forward. Well, and he gives up, you know, you talked about it. He gives up a lot of home runs. I mean, Tons. I don't know how many home runs he's given up this year, but it seems like he's always given up one or two. 
Well, you had that one game, was it the first thing? I forget who it was against. Did he give up three home runs in like the first inning against somebody earlier yes. in the year? I forget who it was. But. Yes, that's happened to him a couple of times. Right, in fact, right. he leads the American League in home run surrender. Yeah, I he's believe number it. one. So I believe it. He's given up a lot of home runs. He has not had a great season. Now, the good news for Garrett Cole, it's the same thing for a lot of guys on this team. If you perform in October, nobody cares about anything right, else. Right. So if he goes out and he pitches eight scoreless in game one of the divisional series, and all of a sudden we see his best pitching come October, no one's going to care about any of these regular season numbers. I acknowledge that. We all acknowledge that. But the warning signs are there that he is just not the guy that they paid for when they signed a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, uh, it's hard to disagree with you, bro. But you're right. Let's see what he does in the, in the playoffs and uh... – you know, we'll see. I mean, you got to believe he's going to be their day one pitcher when they open up the uh, uh, division series because they're going to get – it's over now. I mean, it, it's been yes. over for a while. But never never did I ever think for a second that the Yankees were not winning this division. Even when it got close, even when they were, you know, playing terrible July and August and all of that, I never thought they were not winning the division. Yeah, the, the only time I hesitated, and we, we did the show together, I think it was the first Saturday we did a few weeks ago, was after they lost that Friday night to Tampa, right, and the lead right. was down to two. Right. I still thought they would win the division based on how difficult the race schedule was, but it got dicey. But to the Yankees' credit, they won the last two games of that series. They've won nine out of 11 games since, I think. I think the only two mm-hmm. losses were the games against the Brewers last weekend. So they've responded, but... That was the only time it really got dicey because it got tight. But here they are. They're going to win an American League East, which yep, they haven't done yep. a lot over the last yep. few years. And I think that the rotation options, it's, it's interesting. They have a weird playoff format in the AL because they, you're going to love this, Joe. They play game one, then they have an off day. Mm. They play game two, then they have an off day. And that's then crazy. They, I know. It's so crazy. I mean, what, that's ridiculous. It is. I, I know. So it does give them the option if they start Cole in game one, he could actually pitch on regular rest in game four, which is, you know, mm. a positive thing, whether you're up 2-1 or down 2-1. And I guess you're looking at what, Cole, Severino, and, and uh, Nestor? Is that what well, you're looking at? to me, Cole and Nestor are the mortal locks, and then probably Severino. He looked good in his first start he did. back. He did. But a lot of it's by default. I'm certainly not trusting Frankie Montas no. on the IL oh, now. Oh, God. Tyone, eh. Tyone's been up and down. Up and down. Eh, I guess. And Domingo Herman's thrown the ball really well, but they're not going to start him. He'll probably pitch out of the bullpen. Right. But they, they have the ability, if they want, in that five-game series because of those off days, to pitch Cortez and Cole in four out of the five games if they really want. And that's ideal because you want to maximize the times mm-hmm. your best starters out there. The Mets right. don't necessarily have that option because they don't have the same off day between game one and game two. What do they play now? In the division series, the Mets would play five straight games? Is that what they're doing? No, nah, they get an off day after game two. So okay. the way it would work, to, to me, the re- and I, I guarantee you'll agree with me because of my reasoning on this, DeGrom has to start game one, mm-hmm. but the reason he does is because of Max Scherzer's ability to pitch on short rest. Right, right. If they go DeGrom one, Scherzer two, Bassett three, which we all agree on. Yeah, oh, that's it. no question. And then probably Carrasco four. DeGrom comes back on regular rest in game five, and you have Max Scherzer available out of the bullpen on short rest. If you reverse DeGrom and Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom has never pitched on short rest, and I'm not exactly brimming with confidence in A, them using him on short rest, and B, that he would be effective. Max Scherzer has pitched on short rest a bunch of times in his career. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I'm with you on Carrasco being a fourth starter. I got, I got more confidence in him than I have Walker. No doubt about it. 
Let's go to Brian in New Jersey to kick it off. What's up, Brian? Brian, how are you? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. You have to forgive me a little bit because even though I've called the station before, I'm I'm a little nervous. No Nothing problem. I'm nervous. nervous. I'm nervous all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, well, Joe, I I want to be like, and, and here's a, a name that you probably haven't heard in a long time, but I want to be like a regular fan caller. I want to be like Jerome from Manhattan. You mm. remember him? Do I remember him? Of course. How could I ever forget Jerome from Manhattan? He's one of yeah, the all-time he... greats. Uh, I wonder if he's still with us. I don't even know. I, I haven't heard from him in a long he, time, so who knows? He's he's no longer with us. I okay. heard, but okay. um, but see the the difference between me and him. Uh, we are uh, we were both Yankee. Fans. I'm a Yankee right, right. fan, but he would always complain about the team. I'm not going to. I am really happy with what's going on right now. Well. Well, Jerome would complain. I never forget. I got a call from Jerome once after the Yankees won the World Series in 1996. Jerome calls I've me heard up. This. Remember this? Jerome calls me. I guess it was uh, right after the parade, whatever. So Bob Watson was the GM at the time, and I think he took like it was going to take a vacation after that. And Jerome's like screaming, and like you know, he just won the World Series two days later. He's screaming about Watson taking a vacation. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I'll never forget that call with Jerome. Unbelievable. The the, the only thing. I I do complain about is that Thursday. I know the Yankees won, but extra innings. I do not like the man on starting the well, inning see, on second base. I know I Evan and I like disagree it. on this, but I love it. I absolutely well, love it. Well, here's the good news for Brian and for me. It's not going to be. In a, it's not in the playoffs. It goes away. Yes, it's right. one of those regular season right. rules. It's like the shootout in hockey. It right. goes away right. as soon as right. the That's playoffs right. start. That's right. I love I love it. I got to tell you, I do. I mean, I, there's no need for 16, 17-inning regular season games. I just, just not. Well, as far it, as I'm it works in its goal. Its goal is to speed up games and not have games go 15, 16 right. innings. And right. it works. What I'd wonder about is next year there's going to be a pitch clock, which I think is the greatest thing baseball has yeah, done Yeah, pitch clock, no, no, uh, no uh, shift anymore either. How about that? They're going to get rid of I, that? That I kind of disagree with, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think guys should just learn how to hit the other way. I think that yeah. guys should be able to play defense however they want. But what? You know what? Whatever. They got illegal defenses, right, in, in, in basketball. No, they do. You're right. Yeah, why You're not right. have an illegal defense in baseball? I got no problem with it. It doesn't kill me. I just disagree with it. But the pitch clock thing I love, and it's going to speed up the game. It's a fact. There's no question in my mind these games are going to be sped up by at right. least 15 right. to 20 minutes. And if we're speeding up the game, then do we really need the dopey runner on second base in the 10th inning? Do we really need that? Well, like I said, I, I just I, I got no use for 16-inning games in a regular season. You know, I don't. And I, and I like the strategy. Look, I think there's a lot of strategy involved with there that. There is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, a it lot definitely of the, is. Sometimes these rule changes actually add strategy to the game, even the three-batter minimum. It adds yeah. a different layer yes. of strategy to the yes. game. I get that. Yep. Yep. Rick in Tampa. What's up, Rick? Rick. How are you, Rick? What's up, buddy? Welcome back, my friend, to the show that never ends. Glad to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Never I, ends. Thank you. Yeah, I kept thinking I'd see you pop your head in Tampa, walk in the store, saying what's the best golf course in the area. But I haven't seen it yet, Joe. Maybe, maybe one hopefully, day. Hopefully, hopefully soon. It's it's not happening any time right away, but hopefully no. soon. All right, all right. Hey, I real. Hey, Evan, what's up, buddy? All right, real quick. I have three quick points. I just want to throw them out at you. And because I haven't talked to you in a while. First of all, Cole, uh, Cole is not K 
can't be trusted. No way. Can't trust him as our ace, and I'm really tired of it. The Jets and Giants, your Jets and my Giants, have a chance this weekend to do stuff that we weren't predicted to do. You have a team, Cincinnati, who's, who's reeling, and their offensive line can't block, and your right. defense is supposed to be good. Go get them. Giants. Well, the defense has not been good. And the defense did not play well last week with the Jets. I mean, they did not have a good game against Cleveland. You're right. You have chance just like the Giants we have a backup quarterback which we we generally never do well against backup quarterbacks but we have a chance to go three and oh we right. both need to take that that opportunity this weekend and back and with Judge I've been saying it on Twitter all weekend Judge will not hit another home run in Yankee Stadium in the regular season he will not hit anything this weekend Why? he will break the record in Toronto Evan. Why do you think and that? guess what a Canadian's gonna catch the ball <laughs> and we're gonna have to we're gonna have Handmaid's Tale thing where Gilead <laughs> wants the ball and we're going to give it to him. We're so, going to have an because, international crisis when we're gonna have? a foreign wow. government has oh, our baseball, damn it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know when Judge is going to do it. It's very difficult to predict when a guy is going to hit a home run. It does appear that while Michael Walker at times was, you know, a little hesitant to go after Aaron Judge, for the most part, they're going after him. I mean, Rich Hill went after Aaron Judge last night. He yeah. really did. So... I don't know when the heck it's going to happen. I'll make yeah. this prediction. He's not going to do what Barry Bonds did. If you remember, Barry Bonds hit 61, 62, and 63 in the same game. That's I how don't remember did. that. <laughs> yeah, people forget that because it really didn't mean anything. Think about it. The record now at that point was Mark McGuire's. Right, so right. So Bonds and, you know, steroids was talked about, but not the way it is today. So it was just, oh, yeah, he's getting closer to McGuire. But, yeah, he was in Coors Field in Colorado and hit three just absolute bombs in a row to go from 61, 62, to 63. I you guess know, Judge is not going to do that. And I, I, look, I think he's going to do it against the Red Sox. Uh, I'm happy he didn't do it last night, that it, you know, he didn't do it on Apple TV. I have to say that. Let it, let, yeah. it, let, it, let it be done when people can actually see it. You know what I mean? I'm curious how many people did see it. Like, that's the one thing I am curious about, because it's free, and I thought right. that was a, a misnomer from last night. Right. That this idea was it wasn't free. It is free, but yes, there are people who are not even going to attempt to watch it. We're like, Apple TV, I don't know where to find it. I am curious how many people watch it because with that football game two weeks ago, because we got the rating on the Chief Charger game. Right, right. 12 million people found their way to a stream yeah, yeah. and watched the game. Yeah. Well, football is, you know. No, no, I know, but it, what, what was What was Thursday night? What was the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game? Do you have any rating, idea what the... Rating hasn't come out on that one Oh, Okay. Yet. I think okay. it's delayed, but for the for the Chief Charger game from two weeks ago, mm-hmm. they got to about I think it was thirteen or fourteen million people, which is enormous That's for a streaming good. service. It yeah. Is. yeah, well, but, you know, it is the NFL. That's for sure. No, I get. And by the way, for the Yankees, uh, if Judge goes into a little bit of a slump, they've got another streaming service game coming up. This one, the Yankees won't complain about, of course, because it's their network and their deal. But next Friday, the game's on Amazon Prime. Mm. So. Okay. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder yeah, every, if that, it seems like every Friday Yankee game is on the stream. Every one. It is. No, it right? pretty much it is. And that's why right. the Yankees. And, and I think this is going to be interesting to see how the Yankees handle this next week. The Yankees tried to get the game on yes last night. They tried right. to make a deal yes, I know. with Apple I know. TV Plus. Right, right, okay. right. And they, they claim they were doing it for the good of the people, right? Everybody needs to see the game. Okay. Well, next Friday, when you have control over the game, it's on Amazon Prime. Are you going to put it on yes instead? Mm. You can control it if you're the Yankees. You own right. yes. 
And I think you have this deal with Amazon Prime. Isn't I think Amazon owns a part of Yes, if I'm not mistaken, whatever the business relationship is. So I'd be curious if the outrage remains the same. Or was that just towards Apple TV Plus because you don't have an investment in it? I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Well, I would think that by, by next Friday he's going to have broken it. I, I I'd be so. very surprised if that is he has not done it by then. What do you think he ends up with, 65? Yeah, I, think, I said 65. That's what I'm going to stick with that. It also will be interesting to see once he gets past Maris, which I don't know how much that means to Aaron Judge. Because, again, he has said Bonds has the record. Right. Does right. Aaron sit a little bit? Because they're going to the postseason. Yep. They've got a doubleheader coming up at the end of the year against Texas. So, you know, is he playing both games of that? Like, do the Yankees actually start to sit him a little bit and rest him in getting set for the postseason? Or does Judge go out there every single day hoping to hit as many home runs as possible? Yeah, I don't know. What well, they got? They, I mean, what's the lead? They got. I mean, it's over now. What they got? About it's eight over. eight game lead now. Eight and a half now. Isn't that what it is? Something like that, right? Their magic number, I think, is down to like four or five. Is it? It's down to four. Yeah. So they could have this thing technically clinched by the end of the weekend, and then they play Toronto next week. So I think it's safe to say this thing is clinched by the time they're done with the Blue Jays next week, but probably earlier. Mm-hmm. So when they play the Orioles at Yankee Stadium next weekend, this thing will be clinched. And then when they play those games in Texas against the Rangers, this thing will be right. clinched. How about Seven the Orioles, by the way? Days. The Orioles, what are they, only three games out of the last wild card right now? Isn't that right? Yes, yes. And they're, How they, about that? Here's what's crazy. So they've won three in a row. They're three right. games right. behind Seattle. Right. And the Mariners just had to put their franchise, Julio Rodriguez, the best young player in the sport, yeah. yep. on the injured list. Mm. So now the only thing is, because I, I was keeping an eye on this, because I'm like you, I want to see the Orioles find a way to make the playoffs. The Mariners have one of the softest schedules you'll see. They play Kansas City, they play Oakland, they play mm. the Otanis, and that's pretty much it. While the Orioles have to play the Yankees, and they've got to catch Seattle and pass them because the Mariners have the tiebreaker. So the Orioles are very unlikely to make the playoffs, but the fact they're 79-71, and 71, the fact they're in a playoff race, that really is incredible. No doubt about it. And the Mariners, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have the longest playoff drought in not only in baseball, but in all professional sports right now. Yep. Yep, of the two major sports. Right, yes. 2001. 2000, and think about that team. That was the team that won 116 games yeah, and I know. flamed out in the ALCS. Indeed. And that's Indeed. amazing to think about because we feel like the Jets have a long playoff drought, and they uh, do. Well, and then you look at the Mariners. Unbelievable. And it's worse. No, nah, it's unbelievable. It really is. We'll get more into the Jets coming up as they play a game that, you know what, they can win, and maybe they should win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Plus, more of your calls will make our NFL picks coming up at 12 noon, and obviously the Yankee game coming up at 1225. But Ingo and Roberts here on the fan. Looks like the Mets aren't going to deal with Spencer Strider. He's going on the injured list with a side issue, very similar mm. to what Max Scherzer is dealing with or dealt with. So we'll see when Strider's able to come back. Obviously, the Braves are going to the playoffs. Right. They've clinched the playoff yep. spot. The Strider's the guy with is, the mustache, right? I always say yes. that to you. He's the guy with the mustache, and he's the guy who kind of downplayed the Mets' success Oh, yeah, the soft, him. right, right. The soft contact nonsense. Right. Yeah, right. They're talking about soft contact. Right, right, right. Our buddy Harvey and Dix Hills. What's up, Harvey? Harvey, how are you? Buddy, how are you both? Uh, what a pleasure calling uh, you guys together, believe me. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, Harvey. Okay, I want to... I um, I want to talk about something I started about, I, I don't know the exact time, uh, three months ago, I was following Soto all year, basically, because everybody said he's a, a future Hall of Famer generational, so I was following it, and I, 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 I don't usually mention other hosts, but I, I had a talk with, I mentioned it was, uh, with Tiki, that his batting average at the time, this has got to be three months ago, was 210, 
right? And I thought it would generate some conversation, so I continue to follow it. He gets traded to uh, San Diego, and uh, his average, he really hasn't, his average really hasn't gone here. I think he went up to about 250. He's still down, he's down to like 210, 220. And uh, my question to you is, he may be, be, he may become a great player, he may be generational, but I, I don't understand, you know, maybe possibly that Washington will be thankful they didn't, that they didn't sign their contract. San Diego thought they were getting a, uh, forming a team to rival the Dodgers, and they have not. They're 20 and a half games uh, uh, behind. Um, is it possible that we're seeing something that uh, is real or not? We, did, nah. we went through this with Lindor. I don't buy Well, there's a couple of ways to look at this. I mean, Juan Soto is having the worst year of his career. Okay, there's no there's no denying that, and his numbers, while yeah, his batting average is way down. He's only hitting two forty two. He still leads the league in walks. He still has an incredibly high on base percentage. He still has hit twenty six home runs. That's the worst season of his career, and I would expect that Juan Soto, once he's comfortable, because I think there's a human element to guys traded yeah. in the middle of the year. Oh yeah. Yep. There's talk all year about him being traded. Now, I admit, if he was traded to the Mets and was doing this, we'd be crushing him. Oh. Like, I'd be the first to tell you that. Killing him. No, no. But, yes, there's no question about so it. So it's easier for Joe and I Especially right now to take a step back. Especially what the Mets would have had to give up to get him. We would really Absolutely. be screaming. But I think it's easier for us to take a step back and say, this guy's a stud. <laughs> this guy's an incredible baseball player. He's young. How old is he, 24? How old He's, is Soto? He is 23 years old. 23. Unbelievable. So... Yeah, I get it if you're the San Diego Padre fan. You are very concerned that the guy you traded for is not the career 290 hitter, is not the guy with the mm. you know 950 OPS. I get it. He's not having the best year of his career. But I don't think you traded for a dud. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I look, he's too young. I mean, look, there could be a lot of things. making, Like you said, making the adjustment uh, to San Diego, going for a – from uh, one of the worst teams in baseball to a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of things that work there. So uh, uh, I wouldn't judge what Soto is going to be on what's, what he's doing right now. Well, And here's the other thing to keep in mind, because I know we'd be saying this. The San Diego Padres are going to make the postseason. Yep. And if Juan Soto wrecks a postseason exactly series, right. I think the view of him is going to be very, very, very Well, let me different. tell you this. If the Mets wind up playing San Diego somewhere in the playoffs, I'm going to be, you know what, scared of Soto. I can tell Damn you right. That. Damn right. <laughs> I could tell you that. Especially yeah, he's with wrecked the, the Mets. Uh, he's in a lot of home runs at City Field. And, oh, I mean, oh. we, we weren't going to get into that. You know? And who do you trust getting Juan Soto out in a big spot? David yeah, Peterson? Right. Joely no. Rodriguez? Oh, my God. Not exactly. David Peterson. More of your calls coming up. Plus, we'll get into this Jet game. Are we confident going into week three against the Bengals? Mm. Beningo and Roberts on the fan. It's Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on the fan. Joe and Evan. Evan and Joe. On this beautiful fall Saturday, Beningo and Roberts here on the fan. Not only are the Mets and Yankees marching potentially division championships, but the Jets are coming off a game, which I got to tell you, bro, I still can't believe actually Unbelievable. I'm still in awe of... The shock of the final two minutes of this game. The missed extra point. Okay, no big deal. But Chubb Chubb scoring the touchdown. I mean, it really starts with Nick Chubb not taking a knee on the one-yard line to end the game. Did you think that at the time? Like, when Chubb goes in, are you thinking, oh, what an idiot? 
No, no, I'm thinking it's over. I mean, even when uh, York missed the extra point, I'm like, the game's over. I mean, yeah. I, I, didn't, I never thought they would win any game at that point. Really? I mean, it's I'm funny. thinking the, they're winning? The only thought I had, and it wasn't about winning the game, was I'm so used to how fantasy owners get really ticked mm-hmm. off when mm-hmm. a guy goes down and doesn't score a touchdown just to ensure a game is over. So when Chubb scored, I did think to myself, more about that than the Jets have a chance to win, just, ah, Chubb should have probably gone down. Like, uh, what are you scoring for? And before that, why are you even handing the ball off? If you're Stefanski, you could start taking right, knees right. at that point. Yep, yep. And the game's over. You'd leave the Jets with, I think, about 35 to 40 seconds left. And assuming you hit the field goal, it's a two-score game. So I was thinking about that, but not in terms of this is going to make any difference. But when they scored as quickly as they did with Corey Davis, two plays in, boom, boom, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Now, all right, well, could they actually recover an onside kick, which nobody ever does? In today's NFL, when they recovered that onside kick because Amari Cooper was, I don't know, afraid of contact, afraid of the football, I don't know what the hell he was trying to do, then it's like, holy man, this actually could happen. And you know, even was, when they scored the touchdown, I'm thinking, uh-oh, you left them too much time. They may come back and beat us anyway. You know, they had trouble, too, in the Pittsburgh game Thursday night. Pittsburgh tried an onside kick, and they had trouble recovering it again, Cleveland. The ball actually got knocked out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they had a little trouble with that as well. When they got the onside kick, I said they're winning the game. I mean, you you could just see at that point that everything now was coming their way. And, uh, look, I mean, uh, let me start with Garrett Wilson because this kid is tremendous. I mean, I, oh, my God. You know, I'm, I'm looking. I keep looking around saying to myself, and I watched him a lot at Ohio State. You know, those three guys, it was Olave, it was him, and the kid that's still there, uh, Jackson, uh, however you say his name, Hadegbo, however you say his name, he's tremendous too. And, you know, all those guys are really good. And I'm, I kept saying, you know, boy, I'd like to get one of these guys on, on the Jets. Right. And they get him, and, boy, he looks great, bro. I mean, he did have that big drop, that big drop. And I was really, oh, man, I'm, when he dropped that pass on third down, it was still only down 24-17. And I'm sitting there saying, is this how it's going to end today for this That's kid? He has this f- tremendous game, and he's going to have this monster drop here? It felt like it did. I it mean, did. it felt like that drop yep. was going to ruin what yep. was a really good breakout yeah. performance building off of the second half of week one. But luckily, yep. he was able to get other opportunities. Yeah, no doubt. But, I mean, he's he's terrific. I may have to get the jersey. I'll wait a little bit, but I, he looks like the guy that I'm leaning towards as far as the new jerseys uh, for anybody on the team now. <laughs> But, you know, you got to give Flacco credit. And let me say this about Flacco, too. And I wanted Mike White to play. You know how I feel about that. But to me, I don't care who plays. I don't care who the quarterback is. I could care less. I want to win games. If you tell me I'm getting 10 wins with Joe Flacco, I'm signing for that right now. Yeah, but do you think they are? I think you got to play him as long as he keeps playing well. Oh, no, no, look. Look, here, here's, where we, do. here's where we agree and I guess where we disagree. I'm the same with you in that if someone gives me the best chance to win, I don't care who the hell you are, play him. Like, I don't have any allegiance right, to anybody. Right. Just right. go no. out and win. Right, right. I get, here's where I differ. And Flacco played really well at the close of the Browns game. No question. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's 1-6 as the starting quarterback for I the get New it. York Jets. He's 38 years old. I'm not convinced right. that he actually does give the Jets the best well, chance to win. If well, let me out. say this. I think we saw this even in week one, when, you know, in uh, the, the opening week loss to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you give him time to throw, and he can do some damage. Now, sure. he didn't have that sure. against Baltimore, and he had a lot of drops in that game, too. I mean, yes. the drops drops have plagued him 
in the two games that he's played so far this year. Yep, yep, yep. Um, You know, last week he only had the one turnover, and, you know, the kid Mitchell got abused on that play by uh, Clowney, who came in for the strip sack. Outside of that, I mean, I, I thought he I thought he played a tremendous game. But what have I told you, and I know it's a hypothetical. By the way, let me just say this one more too, too about yeah. him. This team has more weapons than any team he's played on before. 100%. This say, team has offensive weapons for the first the time in most, a long time. The most exciting part about the Jets right now that excites me as a fan is exactly that. Is they do. looking at Michael Carter and Brees yep. Hall and Garrett yep. Wilson and Elijah yep. Moore yep. and saying, oh, my God. But here's my counter to that. You're right. You give Flacco time, he's great. He's fine. He's fantastic. Right. Zach Wilson's mobile enough where he can make plays even if he doesn't have time. No, I understand. I and, think and the ceiling on him is so much higher that if you told me Zach was healthy right now, despite what Joe did last week, thank you. Thank you for your service. I go right back to Zach Wilson because I think he does give the Jets a better chance. To I, I can't play him until, uh, until I see Joe fall on his face. That's me. I, I, I'm sorry, man. If they, you know, they go out there and they beat Cincinnati again this week and he plays well, he's got to play against well, Pittsburgh. I, look, he's I, I, would, I would say this, and I think you qualify for this too because you just said you wanted Mike White last week. I did. Card is subject to change. If Joe Flacco throws for 500 oh. yards on Sunday, yeah, I may have a different tune. Well, I don't but, he doesn't have to throw for 500. He's thrown for 307 yards in both of the two games so far this year. He's thrown five uh, touchdowns in one pick. Uh, you know, I mean, again, it's all, to me, bro, it's about winning. You got to win. I agree. I just you got to win. That's until, it. And they can win. There's no reason. Let me just say, I don't mean to jump on you. There's no reason this team is not two and two going into the Miami game. Oh, I no, I, com- no I reason. completely agree. I think you got to raise the bar. I know they were lucky to win week two. We all acknowledge no they were lucky. No doubt about it. No doubt. But this is a flawed Bengal team right now. And this Pittsburgh's not good. Let's oh. be honest. I mean, the Steelers, this is not the Steelers that we know and love over the years. No, and the head coach is going to be hard-headed to stick with Mitchell Trubisky, who's not right. the long-term answer. Right. Who throws it five yards down the field. Like, yep. that's, that's yep. what he's going to be committed to doing, especially when the Jets see him in a week. Yeah, they can win this football game. There's two things that worry me. We're all talking about the Bengal offensive line. Ah, the Bengal offensive line. Joe Burrow's been sacked 150 times. He's thrown four interceptions. Two things. Number one, the Jets actually have to get to the quarterback, which they haven't exactly no. done. The, 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 over the defense first two weeks of the stunk year. last week. Let's be honest. Awful. The defense, you know, the, the wind camouflaged how bad the defense played last week because they were absolutely. Bad. And that's not what we expected. I think no. going into this game, no. we thought, oh, the defense will be fine. Maybe they'll even do a good job against mm-hmm. Chubb and Hunt. But can they move the football? What was the complete opposite? Yep. I mean, the game was the complete opposite. So they got to get to Joe Burrow. And here's the second thing. Trey Hendrickson hasn't done anything this year. That's the guy who had like 12 and a half sacks last year, had 13 sacks mm-hmm. the year before that. Can they protect Joe Flacco? Because you hit on something. He's fine when they give him time. Okay. Right. Are they right. going to give him time? Because in yeah. the first half of that game against Cleveland, they didn't exactly give him a lot of time when Jadavion Clowney was on the field. Well, even Garrett. I mean, Garrett got to him a couple times early in the game, went right around Fant, and then really did nothing in the second half. I mean, the second half of the game, you didn't even know Miles Garrett was playing. Right, right. Right. You know, oh, absolutely. Look, the so, Jet offensive line did a much better job no, in the second much half better. of this game. And much, it helped that Clowney got hurt, but sure. much, much better job in the second half. And I'll tell you, Mitchell Mitchell made a big play in this game, if you remember. Fumble Conklin, recovery. Conk, right. Conklin, who's fumbled now both games, fumbled both games. Remember the first game he fumbled, it would have been a first down. Who knows, they might have scored a touchdown there. Uh, he wound up going backwards. Garrett Wilson actually recovered it. They wound up getting a field goal. To, uh, you know, maybe they would have scored you know, a, a touchdown there. And then that fumble again, Mitchell made a great uh, – 
Great recovery. Are we going to see Uzama this week against his old team? I mean, it'd be nice. Shouldn't I mean, we? CJ Uzama was a signing that I know excited me, excited a right. lot of Jet fans. Right. He was non-existent in week one. He was barely on the field. He's banged up in week two. The tight ends, which was supposed to be such a big improvement of this yep. roster, yep. has left a lot to be decided. And and the kid, the, the rookie, Ruckert, uh, dropped a big first down pass as well on Sunday. No, he did. He dropped he did. one too. Can I, can I give a, a, a – let me just say this too. I think this kind of flew under the radar with the, with the win. How good – the special teams in this game were great. I mean, Barrios, every kick return was over the 30-yard line, every one. Yes. I mean, they had solid field position, you know, all game. Obviously, Braden Mann, you know, after that terrible punt against the Ravens, he bounces back. Not only does, you know, hit the onside kick, but he had that – how stunned were you when the Jets had a fake punt and actually made, <laughs> converted it? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, I, I was like, what? I couldn't I, – right? tell me, when was the last time we saw the Jets hit on a fake punt? When was that? Long, long, long time. And what killed me is that it's fourth and one from their own 49-yard right. line or 48-yard right. line. You wanted to go for it, right? Of course. Right. Well, I'm they did. screaming at – yeah, I know. I quit. I think I <laughs> – it's the beauty of Twitter. I tweeted right, right out of the gate. Right, what the right. hell is Salah doing? How right, does he not right, go right, for it? Right. Five seconds later, Braden Mann's throwing yep. a perfect pass to perfect. Jeff Smith. Yep. <laughs> and it, it was huge because it turned into a touchdown drive. No, I yes. I love that. And you're right. Braden Mann bounced back from an awful week one. And I got to hand it to the kicker. Greg yep. the Stiff turned back into Greg the leg. Because that, that was a huge, by the way, huge field goal in that game. By the way, two other things in that game, okay? And let's talk about that field goal because it happened right after a absolutely oh. bogus holding penalty yep. on George Fant where I don't know if it was Carter or Hall ran it down for about 20-something yards down to inside the 10-yard line. And yes. they were down only – it was only 17-14. They were down at that point in the game. That was yep. a horrible call. It was – it was a, a Michael Carter 25-yard right, run. Right, it was right. going to set up first and goal from the yep. Cleveland 10 in a 17-14 game, and you're right. A bogus hold on Fant. They don't move another yard yep. on third down, and that's when they had to it's just settle for Zerline, and that's that's a money kick by him. As bad as he was in week one, Absolutely. I thought that was a huge moment in that game that he was able to kick that 57-yarder. Now, one other thing in this game, too. The first drive of the game, Remember, uh, Flacco hits Conklin on the sideline, okay? Initially, they call it incomplete, okay? He, they challenge it, and even Gene Steratore, how about this? <laughs> even freaking Gene Steratore, you know I love Gene Steratore. Even he says that it was a catch. And, of course, the and you know, let me say this, though. You know, like let's say it was like the Patriots. You know, one of the Patriots making that catch. You know, they you know they're overturning it and they're going to give him the, give him the play. And and I swear that's that's a anti jet play right there. Well, I I don't know what it was, but it was the wrong call. Of that's course it was. When I'm Gene Steratore says it was good, you got to believe it was good, right? Yes. Yes. Probably. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Oh, we got it. Yeah, Gene Steratore saying it's going to be overturned. Right. And, and, and I know this is crazy, but maybe you think about going for it if you're Robert Sala on that opening drive, fourth and one from yeah. your own 40-yard line. I, yeah. I, like, I like being aggressive. And yeah. You've got enough offensive weapons where I think you can be aggressive. I could and agree I want to see this coach start to do that. We haven't really seen it. I'll give him credit on the fake punt. I thought they were punting on fourth and one. They didn't. Fake punt at work. But as this season moves forward, let's see this coach show mm -hmm. some guts in situations like and, that. And one other thing, too, about the coach, okay? And this is, this is one of my big gripes about him because I'm still not sold at all on Robert Sala. 
that penalty on that guy, Harris, I think it was Harris on the special teams on a kickoff, whatever it was, where he, you know, five minutes after the play's over, he's pushing some guy to get a personal foul. Can I, can, you know what a play I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. Can I yeah. see Salah go over to him and get in his face and say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Can I see that from Robert Salah? I mean, yeah. I want to, I need to see that. I yeah, mean, that come was on, brutal. Show me something. You can't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he did it, you know, behind closed doors. I don't know. But I, I need to see the coach. I think he's much too soft on the players, and that, you know, that worries me. That worries me with Sal. I really. And that does. was a bad spot in the game because that was Absolutely. right before the Browns scored the touchdown that we yep. all put the game out of reach. No question. So, do you think they win on tomorrow? Are you confident at all? I don't know what to think tomorrow. I, I, I think they definitely can win. You know, obviously, it's a and the Bengals need to win. I mean, they're zero two. They've had two horrible losses. They should have beat the Steelers week one if they, you know, uh, they make that extra point after they uh, tied the game up in the closing second. Uh, they lost a very tough game last week, obviously, to the Cowboys. You know, you lose the game on the last play of the game, um, but I think they can win. I mean, maybe the Bengals are having one of those, you know, a, uh, a you know uh, Super Bowl loser hangover years. So I think the Jets can win, but I do think that they they can win. They're going to win one of these two games. I think they're going to be two and two going into play the Dolphins in Week Five. I think Boy. they I think they're going to win one of the two, either this one or Pittsburgh. One of them. I I, I, I hate to say I'd be thrilled with that, but I kind of would be just of based on what we've seen over the of last course, few of years. Of course, we'd be thrilled with that. Are you kidding to, me? To be well, please. because I. You know why? Because sometimes you think to yourself, why not win both games? You know, why yeah. not? Well, why look, not? you know, I'm going to be, uh, of course, we want to win. If they're three and one, I'll be like, you know, uh, you better like, uh, you, you know, did I get COVID again? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean I, if they're three and one, I'm like, well, what's going on here? I'm, I'm holding out hope that, you know, we all think back to the Victor Cruz game as the game that really oh turned the Jet God. franchise. For the last decade, they have been Christmas Eve 2011. Who will ever forget it? I'll never forget it. And the hope is, at least this is my warped hope, that an epic win like what right. they had on yeah. Sunday against Cleveland could be the game we talk about and say that was the game where everything turned. Yep. The Jet luck, the same old Jets turned it around with that miraculous victory yeah. against the Browns. And, and by the way, too, we didn't say this, too. How about tell me this, too, at the end of the game, right? So now it's 31-30, right? 22 seconds in a timeout for Cleveland. So I'm sitting there freaking out. I'm like, of course. Just, uh, yeah. And, of course, the first play, Brissett runs for like 20 yards. I mean, it gets out of bounds. They're almost at midfield already. And who comes up with the pick to seal the game? Ashton Davis. And how about the fact that it was the only play he was yes. on the field for, on defense the whole day? <laughs> I know. What? That's the best part about it. Ashton Davis, he was on the field for special, so he was out there on special teams. Well, yeah, but not on defense, though. Not but on that defense. was, yeah, it was his only play on defense. And there he is picking off Jacoby Brissett to steal the game. Unbelievable. We all thought about you, trust me. Every uh, single, everybody thought about that. You knew, it, you knew it was a special day when Ashton Davis comes up with the pick to seal the game. It's unreal. No question. But I am worried about the defense, bro. The defense has got to worry you. There's, there's no pass rush at all. The secondary wasn't good. I mean, even Sauce Gardner, there was, you know, that one touchdown, Amari Cooper abused him on that touchdown. Yeah, you I don't know? know if he was waiting for safety help or what well, the he play was, was. But still, I mean, where was the help? Well, where's you know? Jordan Whitehead? Like, yeah. I mean, so far yeah. he's struggled yep. over the first yep. two weeks. Yep. yep. Yeah, they, the defense needs to be better, and it starts with getting pressure up front, especially against the Bengals' offensive yep. line. And even and, and they issue. did a pretty good job against the run early in the game, but eventually Chubb and Kareem Hunt started 
you know, doing their thing in the second right. half. Right. Look, they're the best tandem in the league right now. They are. They are Hopefully the Carter and Hall will be right there with them soon. That's the hope. We'll get your calls coming up at Ingo and Roberts here on The Fan. In about an hour, the Yankee pregame show, Yankees-Red Sox, game three of that series. I was just on StubHub out of curiosity. Today mm. is an insanely hot ticket. Yeah, which well, is it's an not afternoon a game. Yeah, yeah, afternoon game. Yep. Judge going for 61. The get-in price, like the cheapest ticket you could buy right now on the secondary market is triple figures, $100. Wow. And what I think is hilarious but understandable is, is that the hottest ticket to get is in the bleachers in the outfield because people want to have access oh, to, to the, the ball to the judge home run ball. Right, right. So if you want to sit in left center field right now in the bleachers, it's about three hundred and fifty dollars. So mm. it's it's an expensive ticket. So if you're on your way to the game and you already have tickets, congratulations, congratulations, and have a good time. And you couldn't ask for more. You got a beautiful day. Yep. Uh, yep. Judge is facing Nick Pavetta, a guy he's owned in the past, so the odds seem to be pretty good that maybe today is the day. And there's no pressure on the wins-loss thing because you basically got the AL East wrapped up. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So the focus is Aaron Judge. I, I find it funny, dude. Every time Aaron Judge rips a line drive for a double, how the crowd moans. Yeah, Meanwhile, right. Right. he's in a tooth-and-nail battle for the uh, batting title with Xander yeah. Bogarts, which would mean the triple crown. So it shows you that you and I are in the minority, but the vast majority of people, at least at Yankee Stadium, are only thinking about home runs. They are not thinking about the batting title. What, what was the? What year did uh, Cabrera get the uh, triple crown? Was I think it, five it was about years ago? five years ago. Yeah, I forget right. the exact year. Yeah, yeah. But he's okay. the he's the one guy of this generation because before that it was Yaz. Yeah, it was Carl Yastrzemski. Nineteen sixty-seven. He actually had it back back to back years because Frank Robinson did it in sixty-six as well with the Orioles, and then that's uh, crazy. Then Yaz did it in sixty-seven. Yaz that year, by the way, actually tied for the home run lead with Harmon Killebrew. I think they both hit 44 that year. Gotcha, gotcha. And with the batting average, by the way, because people have been asking, what if they're tied? They're not going to be tied because then right. you just go to the next decimal. Well, point if they're tied, well, it, but if they were tied, he, it's still a triple crown because right. they gave they gave Yaz the triple crown, even though he tied Killebrew that year. Miguel Cabrera, by the way, I, I, it's longer longer ago than we thought. It was actually a decade ago. 2012 is when was he won it that the triple long crown. ago now. Time flies, man. Boy, oh, 2012. <laughs> yeah, Boy. 2012, he hit 330 wow. American League batting title. The middle of three straight batting titles he won. Right. I uh, hit 44 home runs and drove in 139 runs. Wow. Incredible. Right. Miguel Cabrera, the second best right-handed hitter. And they, of went my to the, they lost the World Series to the Giants that year, right? Did they, they did. Not? They right. did. They lost right. very meekly to the Giants yep. in the World Series that year. Yep. Yep. Miguel Cabrera, not quite Albert Pujols. That's the way I look at it. Those two no, guys Albert Pujols is, uh, you know, he, he's the best right-hand hitter of the generation. I mean, I think it's hard not to say that, right? Yeah, I think Miguel made a, a great run in the mid-2000s when he was winning batting titles every year and hitting three fifty. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think what stinks is that, and I don't blame Miguel Cabrera or Albert Pujols for this, is that they hang on and then you see him play mediocre for a long right. time. Right. I mean, Miguel Cabrera hasn't been a great player in seven years. For a long time. But yeah. he's still playing. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God bless the guy. A guy can play as long as he wants. But I know Greg Maddox did that, too. It was weird. Mm. The last seven years of Greg Maddox's career, he was an average middle-of-the-rotation guy. Yeah. What did he finish with? The Padres? Was he in San Diego's last year? It was Maddox. either the Padres or the Dodgers because he bounced around right. that much towards the end. Right. I right. forget which right. one it was. I think it was the Dodgers. Okay. Uh it was, yeah, it was the Dodgers. They, they, right. He played on both teams in 2008, though. Okay. But, yeah, like the last – if you go the last 2003 to 2008, so like the last six years of his career, he had a four ERA. Mm. He was like an average guy, and that's amazing because this was a guy who had sub-two ERAs in back-to-back -back years. Look, 
and was one of the great pitchers of our lifetime. Yeah, no, no question about it. He really was. Four straight Cy Youngs, yep. not easy to do. Is that what he won four? I didn't realize that. He won four in a row, huh? Yeah, he won oh, four wow. in a row. And he, and he got hosed out of a couple of 21 win seasons, if you care about it, because of the strike and the lockout. Yeah. The 1994 yeah. strike and then the work yeah. stoppage to begin yeah, He was 95. like 19, 19 and 2-1 year, wasn't he? Something like that? 95, yeah. Yeah, 1995, he was 19 and 2 with a 1-6-3 ERA. Right. And the year before that, with the strike, where he missed about seven or eight starts because of the strike, he was 16 and 6 with a 1-5-6 ERA. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's insane. Yep. Uh, let's go to Dennis and Yonkers. What's up, Dennis? Dennis, Dennis, you got to be pumped up, Dennis. Oh, Evan and Joe, how are you? Um, Good. I, I am, but so are you. That's 2,239 or something like that straight game. Yes. Down yes. 13 with no – oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I caught up to it after I got home from the Giant game, but wild stuff. Uh, I got three quick ones. Go. And I'll throw your Jets in there. Uh, two quick ones and the Giants. Because I'll be – you know, you two are Jetophiles. I'll be your giant, unofficial giant correspondent every week. That's fine. You know, um, you know what stinks? Can I say this, too? This stinks, Dennis. That, you know, they, they're, all these games, now it won't be this week, but all these games that they're playing at the same time. You know, yep, it stinks. Down. I mean, I, you well, know, I gotta, I'm watching the Jets. I mean, it's, and I, you know, I, and I got to, like, check I out what happened to, in the giant game. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, the, I hate the that. Way you detail, well, the way you detail, you guys, it's the reason, even though I never called you guys, it's the reason I like listening because I want to I want to hear sports talk, you know. Uh, although I do drop in on your show once in a blue moon, Evan, with Craig. No, um, we'll take so once in a blue a moon. Guess. I appreciate it. I I give you an educated opinion on Judge and people I know out there. Um, not the Giants. This is not the Giants. This Giants group's way. Uh, John Heyman is starting to really annoy me with some writing and some stuff he said. Uh, and continue John Heyman annoying ball. you? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what? Um, One of the baseball he, writers annoying you? Oh, my God. That's, he, how's um, that possible? He, he, uh, <laughs> he wrote that, uh, you know, Giants went after Harper and Stanton. That was Bobby Evans. This group is not Bobby Evans. Bobby Evans was as bad a GM as Brian Sabian was good. Uh, he... he the Yankees are going to do everything they can to keep them, and I don't see the Giants. You know Giants what I would equate? Other- Tell me if I'm wrong about this. Obviously, different ownership, different era. I would equate this to the way they went after Barry Bonds, that Aaron Judge is the prodigal son. Aaron Judge is Northern California. Aaron mm-hmm. Judge grew up loving Bonds and loving the Giants, and I think they would view him as bringing home this homemade superstar. And so yeah, while well- Bryce Harper, yeah, you're hunting for this great player, you're hunting for this player – to me, the Giants' pursuit of Judge would be similar to the pursuit of Bonds more so than their more recent pursuit. Is that fair? It'd be, it'd be similar, but it's not happening. Okay. Um, uh, go to the Jets. Uh, Joe, uh, I usually would spot. I didn't know that on the midday. Yes. And it's probably the only time I'll listen to that dribble. But I will say that I'll give you this point when you were yelling about Flacco, and I understand your mindset. Only I only want to win. I don't care who the quarterback is, blah, blah, blah. But I'll take you back to 04 when the Giants had Kurt yeah. Warner yep. and a 5-4 record and the sixth seed, yep. and they pulled him after nine games and brought Eli. And I was so livid. I talked to Mike and Chris that week, and I said, you know, we'll be at the game next week. There'll be 80,000 80, of us, and there'll be 80,000 of us. And uh, give me a uh-oh, did we lose you, Dennis? I and, and, I'm I sorry. There'll be 80, and, and there'll be a thousand, and there'll be a thousand people, you know, dead next year. So we won't see a playoff team. 
Uh, they didn't take that too well. But the point of the matter is you want to win when you want to win. However, without those six games that Eli played, um, I, don't, I think it led to the division title the next year. And your goal this year is to make sure to see if Kyle Wilson's your guy. So I, I think Flacco, you know, I think you, uh, I, I understand your mindset because I had the same one with Warner. Right. But you want to go to the, new, the next guy if he's the next guy. But you know what's crazy and, about the Warner comparison? Kurt Warner yeah. then goes to Arizona. Right, and he goes and, to the yeah. Super Bowl. And he goes to the well, Super he, Bowl. Right. Well, he plays, hey, guys, he played pretty well. And Joe Flacco is a better quarterback right now than Kyle Wilson. And, and, uh, Zach Wilson. And, don't, Zach. don't make us think of Zach. Kyle Wilson. Yeah, Kyle, me, don't, don't even bring up Kyle Wilson. Kyle Wilson. Yeah, yeah, Zach Wilson. Oh, my Kyle God. Just, I, I, just and, got an, I think I just got another hemorrhoid. We just but, but mentioned Dennis, in the sorry, name. Stop. Dennis, 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 Dennis. Here's where I disagree, though. Last and, year, and Zach and Wilson of, showed enough promise over those final few weeks after he came back from injury that I still, I still don't know what he is. And I was encouraged by what I saw from him. So I'm not looking at him as just some – Eh, I don't know how – I don't think he's that good. I thought he was really impressive when he came back from his injury last year. And Warner was a better quarterback than Eli at that point. All right, quickly on the Giants. Yeah. And um, Eli – and let me just say this, too. Eli was brutal. I mean, I remember, remember that game against the Ravens in Baltimore. Center, oh, my God. They, they couldn't take the snap from center. He had a right. zero quarterback rating. Right. right. Um, but, and then Roethlisberger came to town, and, I, and he lit up the place along with Roethlisberger, and I said, we got ourselves a quarterback. Um. Go quickly on the Giants. Yeah. Uh, the smartest thing Dable did was give that play calling to Mike Kafka because he is coaching the entire team. It is a, as I said last week, a buttoned-up sideline. The game management and time management have been great for two games. And if you take a look at – just take a look at one guy who's wrapped up in the IHOP menu like Nathaniel Hackett. That Denver team mm-hmm. is a mess because that – and I, I'm convinced a lot of it has to do with the fact that these guys get so wrapped up in their play calling like McAdoo did – like mm-hmm. Shermer did, like Hackett is doing. I mean, that team was was in disarray against Seattle, and last week they were all out to just beat tech, the Texans and continuing to make those mistakes. And those are the mistakes the Giants are not making this year. And if and those little things enable you to win wire jobs like they have, because the the, the the when you don't have that much talent like the Giants don't, the margin of error is, is minimal. It's, it's minute, what? and you can't make those mistakes. And and this guy's coaching the whole team. And it was a really smart move on his part. And I'm encouraged by what I see out of DJ, who's, who's, who continues to re- evolve in this offense. And I think, as I said, at the end of the year, if he and Saquon play 17 games, they'll be here for the foreseeable future. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The coaching, the coaching and you could see it with the Giants, the upgrade is dramatic. You're talking about Dable, but I thought the hire of Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator was a tremendous, just oh, a yeah. great hire. I mean, I mean, this guy's one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. He comes from that Raven pedigree. We all know how good an organization they are. You know, Marvin Lewis, Rex Ryan, now you, now uh, uh, Martindale. Uh, the upgrade with the coaching is dramatic with the Giants. No doubt. I think a big part of a first-year head coach's job is putting the right staff around them. you got to yep. surround yourself yep. with guys who know what the heck they're doing. And Kafka, it's early, obviously. He's only done it for two weeks, but so far, so good. I think some of his play calling has been tremendous. That Gary Brightwell run jumps out at me on third down last week. 
But Wink Martindale was an established guy. No question. And you can see the difference he's brought to this defense. So, yeah, I mean, it's only two weeks, and that's right. the one thing we always have and to And they don't even have the two big pass rushes yet. You know, Thibodeau and, right. and Ozori, you don't even have these guys play. They haven't played yet. So Well, you're going to get Izzo Jalari on Monday, which is a huge help. Let's not forget, he was their best pass rusher right. last year, and right. he's only going to get better. We'll see about Kayvon Thibodeau. It doesn't look like he's going to play Monday, but we'll see him eventually. So, you're right. The reinforcements are only coming – for this giant defense. I, I'm still skeptical, though, that Daniel Jones is going to do enough to mm. convince this coaching staff and this general manager that he's the long-term answer. Because even last week, they won, and don't take anything away from that, and he didn't turn the ball over, which is key, though he almost did at the end of the first half. But it's not like he's playing lights-out football right now. I think he's managing well, mm-hmm. and you give him credit for that. But I don't think Daniel Jones through two weeks has really – giving you anything to make you think, oh, that's the guy. That's the franchise right. quarterback. Right. He doesn't have a, he doesn't exactly have a lot of uh, major firepower to throw the football to. Let me no. say that as well. No, oh my God. I the mean, receiving you know. core is something else. And how about fact- Kenny how, how you know the more I look at the Gettleman's tenure there, boy, how bad was it? Oh my God. There's a Woo. lot of swing and misses. But 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 to be fair, because I gotta be fair about this, there's a lot of swing and misses. Andrew Thomas looks like the best Andrew left Thomas tackle looks in the great. NFL. Well, I guess he's so far has graded out the first two weeks as the, as the best tackle in the NFL, right? So you got to give Dave Gettleman credit for that. Yep. And even yeah. though we all were against it, Saquon Barkley's off to a pretty good start he this is. year. He is. Got to stay healthy, obviously, but yes. Uh, look, a lot of this team, good or bad, was built by Dave Gettleman. You know, Joe yeah. Shane hasn't really had a chance to put his no, stamp not yet, yet on this team. So... You're right. Look, more more than not, Dave Gettleman did a terrible job. I'm not defending him necessarily. It's just that we do need to be fair. There were some moves that he made that yeah. you look back on and say, hey, that was pretty good. Yeah. Andrew Thomas being one because he yeah. looks he looks, he looks like a He slug looks like there. the real deal. I agree with that. No doubt. He's not exactly Mackay Beckton, I can tell you that. <laughs> what a disaster. Oh, that twenty twenty draft from Joe Douglas looks like an all timer. Now, here's the good news. 2021 looks pretty good, and it does. so far, 2022 has it had does. its moments of looking pretty good. I would I would agree with that. I got to see more from the kid Johnson, and I'm still not a hundred, you know, uh, 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 the pass rusher, and I'm still not completely sold on Gardner yet. I mean, I know you know you like him. I do. I got to see more from Gardner yet. I am convinced he is going to be. An I hope you're right. Back in this league. I hope you're right. He's not. I don't know if he'll ever be Darrell Revis, who's one of the right. great players I've ever seen. But you know what? If he could get to seventy percent at Darrell Revis, I think we'd be okay with that. By the way, how about how about this? Maybe we should all go to go to Canton next summer because it looks like Revis and Klecko are going to the Hall of Fame at the same time. Yeah, very possible. Right? How about that? That's a that's jet weekend think about, right there. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Two generations. I mean, think about that coming together. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Pro- pro- and let me say this too. Probably. The two uh, best defensive players in the history of the franchise. You could oh, make yeah. that case as well. Absolutely. It is time for the Wendy's Yankee Turning Point of the Game contest. Wendy's, the official hamburger of the New York Yankees, be the first caller to correctly identify yesterday's turning point of the game at 866-540-WFAN. And you receive two pairs of tickets to see the Yankees take on the Baltimore Orioles on Sunday, October 2nd. It's all from your flagship station for Yankee baseball, the fan. I just read uh, Micah Hyde's out for the year for the Buffalo Bills. Mm. That's a huge blow. Yeah, I know he injured his neck last week, and he was ruled out for the Miami game. They got a bunch of guys out for this game coming up against Miami. Ed Oliver's out. Right. He didn't uh, play last week either, Ed Oliver. Did he didn't he play last the, week. Against Dane, uh, Tennessee. Dane, ja- uh, Dane Jackson, the kid that got hurt last week, is out. Young corner. 
But Micah Hideout for your big blow for Buffalo, even though they look like world beaters over the first two weeks. Especially of the going up against uh, Tyreek and uh, Waddle here now with uh, Miami. Hey, look, I, I hate to do it because I don't want to, but you got to give two in that Dolphin offense a lot of credit. They have looked spectacular. And I, I saw a video this week that I'm almost ashamed of, and that is a video in which they took Tua's touchdown passes last week and really his performance last week, yep. and they put it in reverse. They made him look like a righty, okay? And all of a sudden, everybody said, oh, my God, look at him as a righty. He looks good. He looks like a stud. He looks like Joe Montana. And I have to admit, as a lifelong lefty, I saw the exact same thing. There is some kind of weird bias our eyes play on us with lefty quarterbacks. Now, I know there have been some great lefty quarterbacks, but, Joe, in the last decade, there haven't been a lot. In fact, think about some of them. Tim Tebow, who we all crucified as being awful. Michael Vick, who had some pretty damn good success, obviously, early in his career. He did. But there haven't been a lot of lefties. You know, Steve Young was, Boomer Esiason was, but that was a long time ago. Don't forget the great snake, Kenny Stabler. Can't forget him. Well, I never saw him, but yes, it's a good point. He was pretty good, Kenny Stabler. Here's how I would – Boomer gets mad at me, but I I would rate him this way. Young number one, Stabler number two, and very close, and then Boomer as the all-time lefty quarterbacks. Do you think there's like a current bias against lefty quarterbacks, though? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, as long as they win, who cares? I mean, do do we care? I, I, I wouldn't care, but there has been a lot of negative talk about Tua, even though, look, the yeah. performances have been there since he's yeah. taken over as starting quarterback. Yeah. And well, they've I, won. They, they won games look, when he started. Look, they look good. I mean, you know, they're 2-0. I mean, uh, how about, by the way, last week, who who had the worst loss? Cleveland, Baltimore, or the Raiders? How bad was the Raider loss last week? You know, I watched the end of the, that game against the Cardinals. Oh, my God. Oh it's God. a tough one. It's a very tough one because I thought last week was epic with some of these comebacks or collapses, depending yep. on how you want to view it. Yep. And I know I may be biased in saying it, but I still think the way the Browns lost has Probably. to be the worst. It has. I tell you, though, the, 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 the way the, the, the Raider loss was, was pretty close to oh, that. Oh, it was I mean, awful. They no get doubt. a terrible uh, illegal. By the way, can somebody can, – can we get – I would love to talk to one of these ex-referees, Sterator, whoever all these guys are. It's not, but he's specifically him because, you know – do we really need to emphasize illegal contact? <laughs> I know. Can somebody this, tell me why the hell do we need to em- – it's one of the worst penalties that there is in football because it's only a five-yard penalty, but it's an automatic first down. Right, right. I mean, you you, you could have a third and 30, and, 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 you know, you touch a guy, you know, in the secondary, you just touch him, you impede his progress, and they're throwing a damn flag. Well, the That's answer a is terrible free. I, I, what they're doing with that is absurd. The answer is they want more offense. That's the answer. How much I mean, more I like do they it. want? How more. much more offense do they want? They want more offense. Oh, come on. They think offense sells. They think do, points do you sells. Think, okay, but do you think it's really? Do you think it's really taken away from the league if we're not seeing every game forty-five, forty-two? Um, really? For me, it wouldn't because I think at the end of the day, if you give me a hard-fought defensive battle that ends thirteen ten. There's a chance I'm going to enjoy that more than 45-42. Like, I like that. I like that right. old school. Yeah. yeah. I, this is going to show my age, but for me, Steelers-Ravens. For you, it's Steelers-Raiders. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. Well, just, yeah. 
physical, yeah, right, exactly. we're going to punch you in the mouth kind of football. Right. Like, I love that. Love it. But I, I think you and I are in the minority, and I think that they believe that quarterbacks throwing for 50 touchdown passes and teams scoring 40 points a game, that's mm. what really sells. Well, because it's all about fantasy football. I mean, let's be honest about that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a major reason why. Right no doubt. Wrong. That's a, that's definitely a big part of it. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Chris in Manhattan. What's up, Chris? Chris, how are you? Hey, guys. What a treat to speak to both of you today. You know, Evan, Thank you. Well, that about the Mets, but that's funny you mentioned about the lefty quarterback because when you look in baseball, the lefty swing always feels like nothing beats it when you look at Ken Griffey right. Jr. So right. I, right. It's right. funny. One's a swing, one's a throw, but it's interesting, right? Yeah, lefty shot to in basketball. Like, what do we think of a lefty shot? Like, it right. jumps out of you sometimes. <laughs> right. It's weird how we have these biases. That's why. There's a lot of, I tell you, there's a lot of, uh, I could think of a lot of uh, left-handed uh, NBA, especially centers, Bill Russell, Willis Reed, Bob Lanier. You know, there's been a lot of guys over the years that were left-handed in, and then uh, why, in basketball. But then, but then how do you explain, because we have so many lefties in baseball. You just right. mentioned a bunch of Why have there been so few lefty quarterbacks in yeah. the last decade? Why? That, I, you know, I, I, that's a good question, bro. I, I can't answer it. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It is, it is weird. So guys, guys on the Mets, you know, I want to just talk about Buck in the bullpen. But just one thing that Tim, I was thinking about this morning I know we've talked about the culture change with the Mets, but when we look back on the last year and just take the winning and put that aside, it's been an amazing year for the Mets. Um, and But if you look at all the nonsense that we were talking about this year, last like one year ago right now, mm. and none of that has been a part of this Mets season, it is absolutely, as a Mets fan, I'm like so proud of this team to like root for a team where we're not dealing with DWIs, thumbs up, thumbs down, Right, Stupid right. behavior and nonsense. It's unbelievable. Well, it's you know what? Di- go ahead, bro. It's a different world, and there's two guys I'd give credit to for that. Buck Showalter and Max Scherzer. Max mm-hmm. wouldn't have put up with any of that crap last and, year. And, and, and the other thing, too, is that this so, basically every guy that they brought in in the offseason has worked out for them. I mean, a- every one of them. Obviously, Buck, Scherzer, Canna, Marte, you know, he's hurt right now. And Escobar, who ever – let's be honest about this with Escobar. Ever since he came back from the injury list, this guy's been their most consistent hitter. He's yes. been unbelievable. Since and he's he came- doing it as a lefty, too, because earlier right, in the right, season, yep, his production yep. all came from the right side. Yep. And what Eduardo Escobar is doing right now is going to help solve the DH issue against left-handed pitching because once Marte is healthy – Escobar, assuming Marte doesn't have to DH. If Marte has to DH, fine. Right. Escobar's your DH, and you can play Luis Guillerme at third base, Jeff McNeil at second, and you don't have to worry about Darren Ruff or right. Mark Vientos having yep. to play against the left-handed pitcher. Yeah, nice game by Vientos last night, by the way. You got a couple big hits. It was encouraging, know? and this yes. is great. The A's are throwing nothing but lefties against them. Yes, They're going to face Waldachuk today, who and was acquired in the, uh, the Montas trade, and a lefty tomorrow. And I think it's J.P. Sears, another lefty acquired right, in the uh, Montas right. trade. I think that's good, though, because it's a good test for these right. bats who have struggled against lefties all season long. It's kind of a good moment to get going because, Joe, the L.A. Dodgers are all lefty. Yeah, they're entire. So they're going to have to beat left-handed pitching if they want to get to where they need to go. By the way, who do, you, who, who do you think stinks more, James McCann or Darren Ruff. I mean, for you, for like when you, when, I mean, what these two got I me. Mean, James McCann is horrible. I mean, I, I oh my god, Tomas Nito is so much better than yes. James McCann. It's not even close anymore. Yes, not even yes. close. And then Darren Ruff. I mean, God, 
This guy's been brutal. He doesn't he's even have a home awful. run. He doesn't have, the guy had like 11 home runs with the Giants. He, he stinks. He has been a disaster here, and the good news is both guys shouldn't play in the postseason. Tomas Nito should be a catcher. Yes. You have enough off days. You don't have to well, worry about all Well, McCann's going to have to be the backup. I mean, he'll be on that's the it. postseason roster. Oh, that's fine. He's a but backup. He's, he's a backup He's an automatic catcher. out. I mean, he had a little run there about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. We actually had a couple games. We actually hit the ball okay, but he's terrible. Terrible. We'll make Woo. our NFL picks coming up next. It's Joe Benito and Evan Roberts on the fan. Joe and Evan. Evan and Joe. On WFAN Sports Radio. If you want to be in the New York, no. Gotta go to Joe and Evan. Evan and Joe. Minutes after 12 noon on the Feminine on Roberts. We got the Yankee pregame show coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Yankees Red Sox. Aaron Judge pursuit of 61 continues. Yankees pursuit of winning the American League East, which feels inevitable, continues. That's coming up in a little bit. But we make our NFL picks for week three in the National Football League. The season that goes as fast as any sport oh, in the God. entire world. Incredible. Before you know it, it'll be Thanksgiving. And we'll be yep. making a Thanksgiving. And before you know it, it'll be an 18-game season instead of 17. <laughs> I know. You know, that's happening soon. Oh, you it's coming. I'm not, you even used to se- I'm not even used to 17 games yet. Like, no, I mean, it's how could still you be? It's only me. one year. The fact you can't have a 500 season, I, I have a tough time getting my head around. But it is uh, time for week three. Last week, I went one and two. I took Seattle getting nine and a half points. That was a disaster. That was an awful pick. I took Indianapolis laying three and a half. That was an awful pick. And I did win with Green Bay laying the nine and a half against Chicago, which felt like a slam dunk. One and two on Saturdays, three and three so far for the season as we begin week three in the National Football League. For me in game number one, this is weird. I would never normally pick a game in which... The starting quarterback may not play in Jameis Winston because he's got fractures in his back. And Alvin Kamara may not play. I mean, they are both up in the air. And Mm. quite frankly, I don't care. I still have confidence that the Saints will win laying the two and a half in Carolina. And there's a few reasons for that. Number one, the Saints defense last week looked pretty damn good against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, think about what they were able to do against that potentially high-powered offense. And the other thing is, I had a good look at Carolina. And yes, Christian McCaffrey's healthy. That's great. But Baker Mayfield is a disaster. He made a lot of miscues in this game. And I expect that the Saints defense will force turnovers in this game. And look, if Jameis Winston doesn't play, let's not forget who the backup quarterback is in New Orleans. And that, of course, is one of the most underappreciated red rifles you'll ever see, Andy Dalton. I'm fine with Andy Dalton starting. Either way, give me the Saints laying the two and a half in Carolina against the Panthers in game number one. Game number two, I don't want to over-exaggerate through two weeks because it's still a very small sample size, and usually bad teams will end up showing their bad teams, okay? The Detroit Lions can score, bro. The Detroit Lions Mm -hmm. have an actual NFL offense. They can run the football down your throat. Jared Goff is, look, Jared. you know what Jared Goff is? First of all, he's a quarterback that went to the Super Bowl. And second of all, he's a capable quarterback in this league. And when they get Jamison Williams back eventually, I think the Lions have a chance to have a dynamic offense. Right now, it's got a pretty good offense. And I think they're going to be able to score points against the Vikings in week number two. So I'm getting six. I don't know if they're going to win this game outright. But one thing we saw in their comeback against Philadelphia and one thing we saw last week is Detroit will put points 
on the board. And I think they're going to be able to do that in Minnesota against the Vikings. So I saw the number. It felt like it was too big for my liking. So I said, give them all to me. So give me Detroit plus six in Minnesota against the Vikings. Game number three. I'm very intrigued by this game. Two teams that I think we viewed as playoff teams coming into this season, or at least very capable playoff teams. You got the reigning number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, and you have the Las Vegas Raiders. The Tennessee Titans looked, first of all, completely overmatched a week ago, which I think a lot of teams are going to look like when they see the Buffalo Bills. They're that good. Week one, the Titans blew it. No, no, they put it. They blew a game they shouldn't have lost to the New York Giants. Raiders are the same thing. I mean, the Raiders lost two games they should have won specifically last week against Arizona. I think both teams are better than their 0-2 starts. But I think a lot of us have just kind of buried the Tennessee Titans. I, I get that sense. Ah, Ryan Daniel thinks he'll be replaced at some point. They can still run the football, or at least they're going to show they can run the football. And I like the Titans, especially since I'm getting points and I'm at home. So in game number three, let me take Tennessee getting a point and a half at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm taking a favorite and two dogs. I'm taking the Saints laying two and a half in Carolina against the Panthers. I'll take Detroit getting six in Minnesota against the Vikings. And in game number three, the Tennessee Titans getting a point and a half at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Those are my picks for week three. Joe, take it away. All right, bro. Last week, uh, like you, I went one and two. I'm two and four so far on the season off to a little uh, slow start. The one game I won was the Lions, who uh, were uh, laying a point and a half and and beat the, uh, which I will call them forever, the Washington football team. And you're right, they can score points. I won with that. I lost with the Saints uh, against the Bucs. Uh, getting two and a half, and uh, I also uh, lost with the Ravens. I thought I had that game in a bag, laying three and a half against Miami, but, of course, they blew two 21-point leads in that game. So uh, one and two last week, two and four on the season. I'm taking three road teams this week, and I'm going back to the Ravens. They're a three-point uh, three favorite at New England against the Patriots. I think the Ravens are bouncing back in a big way. Now, Lamar had a big game last week, 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing and all that. They did put 38 on the board. I just think the Ravens are a far better team than New England. Now, I I understand New England beat Pittsburgh last week, but how good is Pittsburgh? I don't know how good they are. I understand Bill's still there, but I don't love Mac Jones. And, you know, I I don't know what the Patriots are. I mean, we may be looking at the worst Patriot team in 20 years here. And the Ravens have had success over the years. Harbaugh's had success over the years uh, in Foxborough. Uh, won an AFC championship game there. Should have won two. Also had that other uh, in uh, 2009, that playoff win in the uh, first round of the playoffs. I can still see Ray Rice running about 80 yards on the first play from scrimmage. Uh, and they went on to beat New England there. I, I like the Ravens laying three here. Uh, I, again, I think they're a far better team than New England. So give me the Ravens with a bounce back off that game. They blew to Miami last week, laying three in Foxborough against New England, game one. Game two, I'm going head-to-head against you. I'm taking the Raiders, laying the point and a half at Tennessee. I think Tennessee is terrible. I think the Tennessee Titans are the ultimate fraud team. I don't like Tannehill. I think Derrick Henry is, is not the same back. I, you know, I just watched both of those two games. He didn't look like the same guy at all. Um, I think the bloom has come off the Mike Vrabel Rose. 
Now, they'll still be in it because the division stinks. I mean, there's no worse division than the AFC South, let's be honest. And, you know, look, the Raiders, you talked about it. The Raiders, that tough loss to L.A., to the Chargers, whatever, San Diego, but they're the Chargers in L.A., whatever. Opening week. And last week, I mean, to me, it, that loss to me to the Cardinals was actually worse than what Cleveland did with the Jets. Uh, I think the Raiders are better. So I'm, I'm going with the Raiders on the road. Josh McDaniel gets his first win as Raider coach. I'm only laying a point and a half. I saw it at two and a half, but you got it at one and a half, so that's even better. So give me the Raiders laying the point and a half in Nashville against Tennessee. That's game two. Game three, I'm taking the Cowboys Monday night, getting a point. I just and, – and, and don't take this wrong, Giant fans, because the Giants, I, I already said it, the, the upgrade on, on the coaching staff is dramatic. I mean, you – I think you really got something with Dable. I love Martindale as the defensive coordinator. But I just can't see the Giants getting off to a 3-0 and start. You know? I just can't. And and that doesn't mean the Giants can't do some damage in this division because this division isn't, isn't great either. I know a lot of people love Philadelphia. I saw uh, one of the power rankings. They got them ranked third behind Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't know about that, but whatever. Um and the Cowboys, look, I had a nice win last week. They, you know, they pulled that game out. They almost blew it. They had a 17-9 lead. You know, Burrow led the Bengals back to tie the game, the two-point conversion, and then they finally won it at the end. Cooper Rush, I believe, is 2-0 as a starter for Dallas. Yep. Yep. There's going to be a ton of Cowboys. You know how to play. Bro, half the place is Cowboy fans. You know that. They're going to be all over the place. There's probably more Cowboy fans in the New York metropolitan area than Jet fans. It probably <laughs> is. So, I'm, I, I, again, I just can't see the Giants getting off to a 3-0 and start. I just can't. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. This game's going to be something like, I don't know, similar to last week, 19-16, 20-17, something like that. Give me the Cowboys getting a point uh, at MetLife on Monday night against the Giants. So the Beningo picks for week three. Give me the Ravens laying three in Foxborough against the Patriots. Give me the Raiders going head-to-head with my uh, partner here, laying a point and a half against the Titans in Nashville, and give me the Cowboys getting one at MetLife Monday night against the Giants. The Joe Beningo, Evan Roberts pro football picks week three in the NFL. We'll check in on the Yankee lineup, plus a few of your phone calls, and we'll take it right to Yankee pregame, Yankees Red Sox coming up. Well, don't worry. Aaron Judge is in the lineup today. All right, He's not taking an mm. off day, which I know huh. would tick off 45,000 Yankee fans. You think? Yeah, he's leading off today. He's playing right field. This could be your postseason lineup. Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, Donaldson, Giancarlo, Oswaldo, Cabrera, Bader, IKF, Agashioka. Trevino would probably catch in the playoffs. Mm, it's been great. Right, right. But for the most part, that could be your playoff lineup because it doesn't look like DJ LeMahieu's coming back anytime soon. Um, so that could be it, and we'll see. Glaber Torres has been a different guy over the last few weeks. Stanton's gotten hot, so we'll see. How about uh, talking to our old buddy Ozzy and Woodridge? What's up, Ozzy? Ozzy. What's up, Ozzy? The legends of the fall. Joe and Evan. <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? Before I get to my comment on Judgy, Evan, you got me thinking on why there's no lefty quarterbacks in yeah. the NFL. Very few. Because, yeah, because for the most part, lefties are weak and feeble and have squeaky, cracky voices under pressure. 
I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, yeah, Rousey. Pre- I see what you're doing. Okay. Is he saying? Are you saying company. that Evan has squeaky, <laughs> cracky voice under pressure? Under pressure, only under pressure. Go, is that what you're saying? Under pressure, I have no squeak. Why was? Well, is this something I don't know about that I should? I mean, what is this? <laughs> Joe, don't put manly, deep voices words in my mouth. I never said a name. You said the name. <laughs> I never said the name. I said a name. Yeah, you just said, don't tell me Evan has a squeaky, cracky Well, I, I, it's obvious that you, you know, because you, you, we're talking about left-handers. We're not and, stupid, Ozzy. And Come Evan on. is lefty, so obviously, Ozzy, you are referring to my partner. We know you're not referring to Tim Tebow. Right. We know you're not referring right. to, you know, whatever right. lefty. Bobby Douglas from 100 years ago, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but I was being a gentleman. Some things are better left unsaid. Joe flat out just said your name out there in the public. That yeah, that's, that's on Joe. You. That's not on yeah, you, Ozzy. Blame me for that, Oz, huh? <laughs> right. Oh, man. But back to judgy or too judgy. Joe, you're a historian especially. Evan, you live, eat, breathe baseball. Ruth hit his 60th in the old place. Maris hit his 61st in the old place. It's just lacking the juice if Judgy hits it in the house that Greed built. Am I lying or am I dying? The upper would you rather it be? Does it really matter? No, yeah. I mean, would you rather it be in really Toronto? Matter? I mean, the ball still, you know, the ball, it still was a bandbox in right field in the old place. I mean, what's the, especially back, you know, uh, when Maris and Ruth were hitting home and, runs there. And look, I wasn't sitting there when Roger Maris was playing the last game of the year with the pressure on to hit 61. I can only tell you what's going on now. Every time this guy comes up, there's a lot of juice in that building. Oh, that yeah. building is of moving. Course. It's rocking. That's why there is interest in Aaron Judge hitting 61 home runs. You can just see it. You can feel it. You, you see the secondary market, but you hear the tone of Yankee Stadium when this guy comes to the plate to the point where the other night I was thinking about this, Joe, when the Yankees walked it off. Trevino let off the ninth at a tie game. If Trevino hits a home run and Judge is left on deck, Yankee fans would have been ticked off. Probably. They yeah. wouldn't have wanted the walk-off home run. That's right. That's a good point. Great Crazy. Point. Well, fun show. I'm off next week, so you get Joe Solo. It's always fun doing it, and then I'll be back the week after. Uh, So definitely have a great week, and listen to Joe tomorrow. It'll be, uh, I should say, Monday. Monday. Well, you can hear me tomorrow, but you have to be at the house as I'm screaming at the Jets. (laughs) You know? Yes. Oh, boy. Hopefully we're happy. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Thank you to Connor. Thank you to uh, Big Zoo. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to everybody Monday at 2 o'clock. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Have a great weekend. Radio 101.